0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gionta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is
1: Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs ready. The baseball reference t-shirt Just repping some stats you know what i'm saying it's not necessarily hall of fame it's not necessarily above average but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore
0: and welcome to above replacement radio we're talking baseball kind of whenever over there on the other side of the screen is daniel curran
1: how you doing daniel chris i'm doing well today it's been quite a while since the last time we recorded uh the holidays obviously happened we've both been busy uh on our break shockingly but we've had we've had a couple of things happen i think the i think the the bulk of this off season happens uh in like early to mid november which is how it should be because we only have a couple minor things i guess one big thing to talk about but you know that's not something that we were anticipating was happening you know with everything else
0: right yeah it wasn't yeah we weren't sure if it was if it was ever going to happen especially with it, mm-hmm. or at least in terms of that organization we knew the guy was going to get a big deal. We just didn't know if it would yeah. be this year or next year.
1: Just a random thought. Um, so there's about a month, a little more than a month until pitchers and catchers report. I don't know about you, Chris, but like as a fan, I just I can never get excited about pitchers and catchers reporting.
0: Yeah, it's been a common like, theme. With it's us so pushed. The show
1: it's so pushed every year. It's like, oh my god, they're coming back to Florida and Arizona. Like I don't know. I I mean I've only been to spring training once in my life, and it was for a day and it wasn't even a game because yeah. it was like it was last year but like you know spring training started later because of the lockout I don't know I just can never get excited about pitchers and catchers reporting
0: that's one thing that throughout the you know three and a half years of the show that we've cons- consistently agreed on I'm so yeah. glad we agree on that because yeah I know like we're both giant baseball fans you can't take that away from us but I'll never be able to really get excited for pitchers and catchers. And I, like when I was younger, I think I, I think I just had adults tell me that like, Oh, you know, pitchers and catchers soon. And I would kind of fake. I guess, I guess the the only,
1: the only sort of real excitement is that it's the first domino to fall in the start of the season where it's like pitchers and catchers show up and then the rest of the team shows up and then there's practices and then there's spring training games. Uh, This year you have the world baseball classic, which I'm very excited about. Um, um, but obviously that's not, you know, Yeah. that's only, you know, I think it's probably only really, it's honestly, it's probably the first year that the world baseball classic has actually gotten hype. Like I yeah. remember in 2017, before it started, everyone was like, who cares about this stupid tournament that happens every four years that no one really cares about. And then it was awesome. It yeah. was a really fun tournament. The games were great. Uh, and this year, you know, team USA is like the 1992 Olympic Dream team for USA basketball.
0: Yeah, every day, every day MLB's posting, yeah. This guy's all in.
1: It's funny because the offense is unbelievably stacked and the pitching is like I think Logan Webb's probably the ace and like Clayton Kershaw's the two, but it's like, yeah, Drew Smiley's gonna be in the rotation, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dang. No, um, I
1: don't think I don't think it's actually like that. Hang on. Uh USA.
0: Yeah, but I I mean, it's it's crazy to think that the last World Baseball Classic was six years ago, but I do remember yeah. it fondly. Whether it was, so, yeah, go ahead.
1: The pitchers on Team USA, as we know so far, Merrill Kelly, Nestor Cortez, Kyle Freeland, Brady Singer, Adam Wainwright, Logan Webb. Those are the starters. Relievers are David Bednar, Dylan Tate, Devin Williams, and also, oh, well, why is Clayton Kershaw listed with the relievers? What what the that's weird anyway um, but still at like the offense it's like JT Real Muto and Will Smith as the catchers that's like arguably the two best catchers in the league minus Adley Rutschman yeah but you know they probably didn't ask him that early in his career although they did ask Bobby Witt uh first base Pete Alonzo Paul Goldschmidt the the RBI leader from last year and the NL MVP second base Trevor Story who you know is an all-star Third base, Nolan Arnato Bobby Witt Jr. That's the NL MVP runner-up and also one of the premier young players in the league. Shortstop, Tim Anderson and Trey Turner. Trey Turner just got a deal until he's 41. Tim Anderson is one of the most, I'd argue one of the most recognizable faces uh, in baseball, especially at the shortstop position. Outfield, Mookie Betts, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Kyle Schwarber, Mike Trout, Kyle Tucker. Yeah. It's hilarious. That's an outfield probably of Betts and left uh trout in center tucker and right maybe they yeah. switch bets and tucker i'm they're definitely putting you know trout in uh center and then kyle Schwarber is probably gonna dh for that team
0: right That's yeah awesome. it's, a, it's, a very, it's gonna be really fun very good place to be um, yeah, um
1: i know uh shohei otani is playing for team japan which is very cool
0: yes very um, the, so
1: what's the what's the dominican republic team because that team's also stacked
0: yeah it's it's pretty crazy i mean i feel like they always are um yeah because i think i think like
1: i think there's more
0: there's more um like a higher percentage of like dominican mlb players if you're that if team. you're
1: if you're losing after the fifth inning against the dominican republic team it's over their bullpen alone is brian abreu camilo doval diego castillo emmanuel Clase, felix batista genesis cabrera gregory soto Yoan duran Rafael montero sir anthony dominguez wandy peralta yimmy garcia ronaldo lopez
0: yeah, if they if they have Pick. a
1: classe Batista is eight nine. Also Bobby Brian Abreu's in there, he's really good. Yoan Duran, Camilo Doval. Like a um, a bullpen
0: game there's... against them having a bullpen game is like a shutout. Yeah. It's not that's it's like not an ace. That's an game. ace off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: their their starting pitching though is Sandy Alcantara, which is hilarious because it's like, oh, just in case you happen to knock out Alcantara in the seventh inning. You also have to face that bullpen. Framer Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Castillo. Yeah. Uh, and then position players they have Gary Sanchez, who's still a free agent, by the way. Vlad Jr., Jose Ramirez, Jeremy Pena, Manny Machado, Starling Marte, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Rafael Devers, Francisco Mejia, Catel Marte, Nelson Cruz, who's like 87 years old at this point, Pedro Severino, Robinson Cano is playing for team dominican republic Teoscar hernandez Wander franco yeah i think the dr might be better yeah and there's i mean the outfield is what julio juan soto and eloy or do they put Marte over eloy i don't know they have machado uh machado's probably going to be playing shortstop because devers will be at third they might put pena at second vlad jr at first but then where do you put jose ramirez And where you put, yeah, I guess you put Jose Ramirez at second. You have painted DH or something, or I don't know. Paint is probably going to be off the bench. Uh, the fact that Robinson Cano is there. By the way, then you have Wander Franco. This infield's so stacked.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's you're going to have to figure that out. We might have like, well, you might have like Manny Machado playing might, the left field. Which might have
0: to. They might have to make cuts.
1: <laughs> they might have to make cuts to this infield. Yeah, you have Devers, Ramirez. You might. Devers, Ramirez, Machado, Franco, Vlad, in the infield. What are you? What are you gonna do with that? Yeah,
0: that's what tough. are you supposed
1: to do? But yeah, because like, I don't think any of those guys will just voluntarily play outfield because they obviously need to stay healthy for the actual season. You know, two of them are on. Well, I guess all three. You know, uh, Machado, well, all four of them, uh, in Ramirez, Devers, Franco, and. Uh, Ramirez, or did I name him already? Uh, yeah. They're all on mega deals right now. right I don't know if you consider Jose Ramirez on a mega deal, but you know he has a long term extension.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, in Guardian in Guardian's dollars, it's like five yeah. million dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah, correct. Well, they paid him what one? Well, I mean, technically, you're right because they paid him what one forty mil. That was his 124. contract, right? One twenty four. Okay, because the Dolan family said that they'll be giving out three hundred million dollar contracts when the league is giving out a billion dollar contract so that's almost half of 300 which means basically 500 million to them yeah (laughs) like a little less than 500 million to them right right it's like 460 mil to them but
0: yeah the the world baseball classic yeah i think that's way more exciting to me than the idea of like spring training or
1: a hundred percent no because i remember in 2017 the world baseball classic ended like two weeks before the season and i was like man now i have to go back to watching spring training games this sucks right yeah this is awful yeah
0: it's um world baseball classic should be fun i think 2017 2017 a combination of things made it better first of all like the entertainment value was great yep and also usa moving on for so long was um really helped i think the attention of the of the tournament um, that USA Dominican Republic game in both of
1: them, both of them were yeah, great. Both the one them. in Miami was great, the one in San Diego was great.
0: Yeah, the um, yeah, the Adam Jones, um, robbed home, Robbing Manny Machado. Yeah, um,
1: the Jose Batista home run. Yeah, in Miami. The yeah, like the games were good. I remember, uh, I was up during I was on like February break or maybe it was spring break at school. Uh, I think it was spring break and. I was up at like one a.m. watching. I think it was Mexico versus Venezuela. Hang on, let me make sure that the person I'm in mind is from one of those countries. Um, it might have been Italy. Yeah, I think it was Italy versus Venezuela. And Rudneth O'Dor hits this ball to center field that would have been a walk off home run. Any? absolutely bad flip. start starts walking to first like he does the whole thing then it clangs off the wall and it's a single and I was like here's the thing that's still awesome yeah 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 (laughs) like yes he should be standing on second right now but that's cool Yep. especially because it was 2017 and like the bad flips were still not as normalized as they are now
0: right yeah yeah um but yeah it's a it should be it should be fun first time in six years But yeah, going and going way back to where this conversation started, with the pitchers and catchers thing, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, so we fans watch baseball for entertainment. That's ultimately what it's about. And there's nothing entertaining about pitchers and catchers. Uh, And there's barely showing up.
1: They're they're going to work.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 About guys throwing bullpens to no active batters or anything. It's cool.
1: it's... It's cool to like. You know, if your team got a new, like a really good new player in the off season to see them in uniform for the first time,
0: that's about it, though. That's you, about
1: it. But yeah, like that like, fun lasts for about a day.
0: Our our running joke is like, yeah, it's really just blurry videos of guys playing catch from mm-hmm. beat reporters, like
1: just standing like two hundred it... feet away.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's like, oh wow, Chris Sale is he's playing catch. He recovered from in, from his injury. That's crazy. Yeah. Let's we'll see that how long pitcher
1: is throwing a ball. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, right. I mean um
1: I mean the funny th- thing is yeah, guys take bullpens the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a li- maybe this is a little known fact, but if you're a starting pitcher, it's not uncommon to take bullpens on your non-start days yeah. throughout the entire season. That's never reported on, but in spring training that's huge.
0: Yep, Yeah, it'll That's big. It's it sweeps the baseball landscape. It makes me, yeah. I don't know. It some it's some sometimes the biggest thing to happen during spring training is free agent signings. That won't happen this year. No. But, <laughs> but sometimes that's the biggest thing to go on, like like with like, Bryce Harper. I think, I think some
1: fun things are like in spring training in general, as the as the month goes on, you start to see some guys that are like potentially fighting to make the roster um yeah where it's like you know in 2019 you had that moment with chris paddock where like during a game like he got taken out of the game and andy green was like hey you're in the opening day rotation yeah Uh, and he like walked off the mound having known that that was very cool like seeing guys make the roster or seeing guys fight to make the roster um Mm -hmm. i think it's very fun when like uh one guy happens to have a very good month and fans are really excited about said player who then proceeds to hit 160 Right, <laughs> like I remember, Marwin Gonzalez was like hitting 400 last year in spring training, and Yankee fans were talking about putting him in the opening day lineup. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... It was hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I will say, I like if you're if you just happen to want to go to Arizona or Florida for a vacation and mm-hmm. want to happen to be around those spring training areas it it can be fun especially i went i was in fort myers a couple years when i was like uh between the ages of like i don't know 12 and like 14 15 and i was able to get you know some autographs and just watch but in you know in person Mm -hmm. it's good but if you're just like staying in the northeast or the north or anywhere outside these complexes there's no reason to get excited for pitchers and catchers i'm sorry
1: yeah I mean, I do, I will say as much as we've destroyed spring training in the last like 15 minutes, I will say I do want to do Arizona spring training at some point.
0: Yeah, well, that actually seems like
1: like, fun because the ballparks are all within like a mile or like a, not a mile, like an hour radius of each other. Florida is a much, much bigger state. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's like, you
1: know, you'll have teams in Miami and then teams in Tampa, which is like a long, long car ride away
0: right it's quite a bit um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh yeah i don't know it's it's just i feel like i feel like that was that was pushed on me as a as a young lad and i'm i'm rebelling against it i'm not i'm not gonna accept this pet pitchers and catchers excitement it's not gonna happen anymore
1: even even better is truck day
0: oh yeah (laughs) well i don't know if all teams i think i think people i think
1: no, all teams do it. Um, maybe not every team makes a whole event out of it, but teams will always announce like the trucks going out today. Um, I I think that people enjoy that as a joke. I genuinely believe that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, like no one. No one actually. It's like it's like we're all collectively in on it. It's unspoken that it's ironic, but we're all gonna pretend that we're excited about a truck going down from to down to Florida from you know the Northeast.
0: Yeah. Right. Because it. Yeah, if you're a team, I get why you why you make a post about that because there's literally nothing else going on. Um, so I you, think
1: it'd be very funny if like Rays fans got super hyped about Truck Day, even though they're already in Florida. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this truck or like or make, like
1: you know or Diamondbacks fans.
0: This truck's gonna make the thirty minute excursion <laughs> yeah. with all these packs of bubble gum.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Exactly.
0: Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's our thoughts on pitchers and catchers. It does nothing for us. I'm, I'm a, you know, opening day is really what I'm in for. And this year, the world baseball classic, that's, that'll be, that'll that's actually be a fun be
1: thing. Actually a very enjoyable thing. Yeah. Fun sure.
0: thing happening in March. Also, if, 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 I'm a player, I'm excited for pitchers and catchers. Cause yeah. that's, you know, I get to, I get to actually, cause you know, you, you would understand like when like uh practices started for like little league or high school baseball or whatever like that was an exciting thing but exactly but as from an entertainment perspective i'm not entertained by by pitchers and catchers anyway um i guess the big news that uh has happened in the last two weeks is uh the rafael devers extension um he was extended by the boston red sox from 2023 to 2033 an 11 year 331 million dollar deal um what what were your thoughts on uh on this extension
1: it was it was big for sure honestly i think it turns it turns around so much with the narratives and with you know, how we view an organization um so the deal was 11 years 331 million uh, you know, the Red Sox fans obviously had a very sour taste in their mouths with Xander Bogarts leaving and how it happened. You know, the Red Sox kind of dilly-dallied with their negotiations and let him walk for uh, a price that they were never going to be able to top, which is fine. But, you know, you think that had they offered him something fair, you know, earlier on, uh, before other teams had an opportunity to sign him, that, you know, it would have gone differently. And there was a report from June Lee maybe two or three weeks ago that said that the Red Sox endeavors and negotiations in negotiations were galaxies apart, um, quote unquote. So, you know, there was a whole feeling of it's going to happen again. Like, what's the point at this point? Uh, John Henry got booed at the winter classic two days before yeah. the extension. And supposedly this is only reports. I don't know what's true and what's not, but reportedly right after that, he basically upped the offer by a hundred million dollars. <laughs> So bullying works, bullying yeah. works, uh, <laughs> moaning and groaning about how you're upset at your team works. Uh, I guess it depends on the market because some fan bases genuinely will not care, but it works in Boston and I'm sure it works in, you know, a lot of other big markets, LA, New York have, you know, should they ever have to do such a thing?
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's, um. yeah, it's interesting how this whole thing panned out. Um, you know, from our, we're both Red Sox fans, so we're both very happy about it. Um, and yeah, I I do uh, I do agree that it changes some narratives. I think if in the hypo, in the hypothetical sense that the ownership group let Bets Bogarts and Devers go all within a you know three four year span, I think you could definitely there could definitely be consensus that Fenway Sports Group doesn't really care about. Uh, necessarily the the success of the team anymore. However, with a deal like this, I think you can hold on to that hope. And uh, you know, maybe they're not to a Mets, Dodgers, Yankees level uh right now, but they are making moves that you know they're making a move here that's gonna a satisfy the satisfy the fan base and b uh improve the improve the team's success and maintain the team's success for, for years to Mm -hmm. come.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, This, yeah, this changes the whole narrative around the Red Sox and their, their willingness to spend and how much they care about the team because John Henry, the owner of the team, he has not spoken to the media uh, in any capacity since the Mookie Betts trade. And that was where, you know, we're, we're coming on three years from, since that. So uh. There's valid reason for a lot of Red Sox fans to believe that one day John Henry woke up and decided to stop caring. Uh, and it took until, you know, he got booed publicly for people to realize, oh, wait, people actually hate me. Because there's been a lot of reporting about John Henry just being out of touch with Red Sox fans. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, he was someone, a reporter asked him about, like, you know, the firing of Don Orsillo, which happened in 2015. And years after that, Henry was like, wait, people still care about that? like he said that and Hmm. people still care about it to this day in 2023 much less in 2017 18 uh whenever that question was asked uh so it goes to show that you know John Henry isn't always uh, exactly in touch with his fan base uh and I think to see it live in person for him really showed him oh wait they actually they actually want me to do this okay I'll just go do it right now then
0: Yeah, yeah yeah um yeah, there there might have been correlation, but I think I think just, you know, organizationally, you know, it's a smart move. Um, And I think Heim Bloom, I think Heim Bloom was kind of under, you know, I, I bet if you asked him, like, you know, gun to your head, do you want to extend uh, Bogarts more or Devers more? I think he would have said Devers because I think it's just the smarter thing to. You know, if you in an either or scenario, which I know it isn't, it's not an either or scenario, but in an either or scenario, it's smarter to extend Devers than uh, than extend Bogarts or, you know, sign Bogarts to a long deal because, you know, Devers is what three years younger, I think uh, he's heading into his age 26 season. He also just has better tools, Um, you know, he may not have. I, he has, he also has like similar wins above replacement numbers over the last four years or so uh, as Xander Bogarts, and he just has better tools. He hits the ball harder. You know, Xander Bogarts just endured like a a little power drop. Uh, they're both similar defensively in that, you know, they were significantly bad and turned it around uh, this upcoming year. But I think Devers's success might be more sustainable because he's younger. Uh, and along with that. Um, Devers has a has a fantastic arm at third base, which like, you know, you can't you, you can you can improve like fundamentals, I guess. But, you know, the the arm is sort of God given like you you can't Xander Bogarts isn't going to, you know, work hard and increase like his his uh, throwing velocity from third from shortstop by like, you know, three miles per hour. Devers is just he just naturally has a better arm. Um, yep. And he hits the ball crazy hard. You know, he has the second most second most hard hit balls um, in baseball since the start of 2019. Um, he's always like top, you know, he's always 90th percentile or higher in average exit velocity or barrel rate or things like that. So he just has a lot of tools that let you know that, like, this guy is one of the best hitters um in the game and it's probably going to stay that way considering he's still only 26 years old
1: yeah you know he also upped his defense a lot last year that was a big concern for quite a quite a while with him uh starting in his rookie season in 2017 and uh he had one of his better defensive years last year which is definitely encouraging you know considering he hasn't even entered his prime yet and there's no reason to believe that you know it's going to immediately start declining now uh yeah you know you're getting him from age's 20 he's what 26 now he's entering his age 26 season yep yeah and you're getting him until age 36 so that's right. big
0: yeah and that that's a big thing too is like um uh el- so 11 years um you know that seems like a lot but he is very young and this mm-hmm. is a lot different than the deals that bogarts turner um Judge, potentially correa
1: potentially yeah, maybe correa maybe
0: Correa are getting because you know that that's into their that's into age 40 age 41 territory um that's not the case with Devers like Devers could hypothetically we could still see Devers being a very productive player on the 10th 11th year of that contract I don't think it's extremely likely but I think it's still a possibility
1: I mean you could see him as a guy with like a 105 weighted runs created plus and like you know one and a half wins above replacement. Which yeah is, yeah yeah you know it's not fun to pay 30 million dollars for a year but you know you're not you're not signing this deal because of the the ninth and tenth and eleventh years of this contract you're signing them for the first you know seven eight yeah and even
0: that's kind of unique because i think with bogarts turner correct or not correa but bogarts and turner specifically uh you're signing them for like years one two and three and mm-hmm. You don't know if they're going to be on that level for, uh, much beyond that Devers. I think you're getting the first, like six years of that contract. He's like, after six years, he'll still be 31, 32. Exactly. Um, like you're
1: hoping that he could still put up the same production that you've, that you've already seen from him at that point.
0: Like you're expecting production for more than half of the contract, which is especially in this market uncommon. Yeah. Um, you don't like you're not seeing that in this market, so you know it's good that it's good that he can get uh you know eleven years at age twenty six. Um, I think it's going to help the Red Sox out a lot. Um, and yeah, shout out to us. I think um you know we we talked about this with uh Mark Simon. We did how like defense. Like, having bad defense and being a great hitter as opposed to having average defense and being a great hitter can be the difference of, like, a Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos contract as opposed to, like, a Corey Seager, Seager contract. And Devers, um, you know, improved his defense to, like, an average level, and he got a contract similar to, like, Corey Seager. Um, you know, 10, 11 years. And Slightly and...
1: more. Yes. In, yeah. in the total dollar value, obviously one more year as well.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, it worked out worked out tremendously for him. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any more any more thoughts on Devers. I don't think I do.
1: I don't either. I it's a it's if you're a Red Sox fan, there's no reason to be upset about this at all whatsoever. Like maybe, maybe it would have been better to take if you had to choose one between Betts, Bogarts, and Devers, maybe you'd rather have had the Mookie contract for 12 years and 360, but that's in the past, you know, it already happened. Uh this is a good deal
0: yeah and even with that i mean i hate to like side with owners i guess but like even with that like with when when bets was coming up on free agency the red sox payroll was so clogged up with so many different contracts yeah and whereas, they also
1: offered him 300 mil
0: right and whereas now um and also with that bets thing i you know i don't need to trail back to that but like before COVID it was kind of consensus that he was going to go into free agency and then COVID happened and then I think he just saw the potential mess um and you know he just took the money where where it was I think COVID ultimately is why he signed that extension however yeah, yeah going going back to uh here like the Red Sox now they don't have a luxury tax excuse they're far from it right now I believe um They're at,
1: they're at under 200 mil
0: Yeah so like they're far from whining about the luxury tax again, because, you know, they don't have outside of sale right now. Yeah. I don't think they have any other $100 million con or no sale and story. They don't have any other like $100 million contracts and, you know, sales is ending two years from now. Um, so like, it's not like they have so much money clogged up. Whereas with the bet situation, they had the sale contract, the JD contract, um among among many others uh I'm trying to think like yeah, the David price contract um so there was there was just a lot of money being clogged up and I think they had hit on the luxury tax like three years three years in a row prior mm-hmm. wasn't they weren't trying to do that again um so but here it even financially makes sense for them, like it's not like they're gonna have a crazy payroll. Um, like they're still, they're still like, I don't know, maybe seventh or eighth now. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think this deal makes sense for, in terms of everything with, uh, with the Red Sox. So Devers was the biggest, uh, biggest news of the past few weeks, but there were other signings going on, um, along with a signing that's still in the process of going the big one that's still going on we'll get into that but um i guess where we can start um i guess the one that had the second most dollar second most dollar value outside of the devers one was what nathan neovaldi um two years 34 million dollars to the texas rangers um what do you think about this deal
1: well, I mean, I think the, the initial thing is that it completes their rotation that is looking very, very revamped for this season. Uh, of course, you have DeGrom the headlining at the top of the rotation. You have Andrew Heaney, which was recently added. Obviously, you have Avaldi, and you also have John Gray and Martin Perez, who both, you know, signed last year and was very impressive last year. So yeah. it's encouraging to see what the Rangers have done with this rotation over the offseason. You know, clearly there's a commitment to winning here. Uh, even in a relatively stacked division with the Astros still being there, the Mariners up and coming, uh, and the Angels having the potential. Uh, I think that's, that's, you know, you know, we'll say it every year, but the Angels have the potential. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously the A's, whatever. But, you know, I mean, the Rangers, obviously, we, we, we talked about how much they've lost in one-run games last year and how much that cost them. Uh, building rotation and uh, having much more of a foundation, you know, that makes them better. And there's that other stuff that needs to come along. And if everything were to go right, you know, this team has a lot in store for them. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I like um whoever was going to land Ivaldi. I was I think I was going to like that deal. Yeah. Um, you know, he's one year removed. Or yeah, what two?
1: Two years removed years, from being fourth in the Cy Young voting.
0: Yeah, in 2021. The in the AL. In 2021, I think he led the AL in F WAR. Um, in FIP, yeah, in and, and in fit, um. So which I mean,
1: kind of the same thing, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a very good sign. He's always had, um, he's always had very good strikeout to walk numbers, um, which is you know always a great sign. Um, usually above average, above average or average in strikeouts with very low walk rates. Um, I think a lot of a lot of what screwed him on numbers last year was one particular inning um it was yeah it, it was the yep. second inning against the Astros at Fenway Park he allowed five home runs and it was a very very windy day on an average day maybe two of those would have gotten out of the stadium um but he ended up giving up five home runs in one inning and it kind of like just he lost, him up.
1: I believe he lost 0. 0.6 f4 that day
0: it was it. I don't know it was crazy it might have been
1: 0. 0.8 I don't know no, yeah, I think it was point six because Josh Hader lost point eight on that one day where he gave up three home runs to the Giants, and that was the top loss in F four, according to, or at least you know, given the people that were selected in our league.
0: Yeah, a like, day. like, um, yeah, it, like one particular inning, like, screwed his stats, and, um, yeah, I'm looking because he had a four point three oh FIP last year, but a three point four six X FIP. Like mm-hmm. almost a full. To be run fair, difference. his
1: his home runs per nine as a whole went up even without that inning. Um, they did, yeah. Which to be fair, we did didn't only allow like eight home runs in twenty twenty one or something crazy like that. Um,
0: yeah, he allowed a very low amount of home runs. Um,
1: I think it took until like late June to get up his first, and it was in like the eighth year against JJ Yeah,
0: and and his expected ERA, um, my favorite peripheral, his expected ERA mm-hmm. went up. A little bit but yeah um I think the concern with Evaldi most of the time it's it doesn't have to do with his numbers it has to do with his health um he's you know he's always been kind of a question mark health wise um he was injured a lot of last year wasn't really injured in 2021 um was injured a lot in 2019 so you know you never really know where he'll be at but when he's on the mound, he's usually a pretty reliable pitcher. Um, and I think that's it's it's a risk the Rangers are willing to take. And it's not even a huge risk. It's a two year deal. So I think uh, I think I feel like this is a pretty good deal for them.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Um, especially he's I think he's only 33 uh, heading into his age 33 season. So it's not even like he's a really old crafty veteran. He's still got uh, a lot left in the tank. I would imagine. Um, so, that's what the Rangers did. Uh, what's the next deal we should get into?
1: Uh, the Red Sox signed Corey Kluber.
0: Yep, that was kind of their response. Um, Red Sox, by the way, have had the worst luck with going after free agents who eventually sign with like their hometown team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our Evelyn... uh, our friend <laughs> Chris Catillo has pointing this out, but like Zach Eflin is a like an Orlando native who went to the Rays and they I think they gave they offered Eflin the exact same the Rays did. He just picked the Rays Um, and they went after Andrew Heaney, who I think is an Oklahoma native who chose the Rangers. Um, And there's been a couple others, Uh, but they offered the Red Sox offered Eovaldi more years than the Rangers did. But uh, they, they uh, you know, all chose to go to the Rangers. Um, but anyway, they do get Corey Kluber. Um, who you know, two time Cy Young winner, but he's far past, yeah, far past those days. But I think he did have an he he had a better expected ERA. Uh, in 2020. he had a, one of Nathan the best. Evaldi. I think
1: he was like second in the league in strikeout to walk ratio last year. Yeah, among qualified starters.
0: 99th percentile walk rate um
1: um his obviously k rate minus walk rate was different but the only only so out of 45 qualified starters the only ones who had a better k to walk ratio than Corey Kluber were aaron nola and kevin Gosman. he was third yeah so that's, yeah, that's he, pretty solid um yeah
0: he's like pretty decent overall numbers like he doesn't have ace stuff but uh you know he had a 17, 17.2% strikeout minus walk rate, which is even though the strikeout rate is a little lower, it's that's still an above average rate, um, mm-hmm. which is a good sign. His barrel rate against was above average, you know, in his favor. Uh, his average exit velocity against was 80th percentile. Um, and he's always gonna have he always has pretty good stuff. I think his maybe velocity is probably his velocity is definitely down from what it used to be but he's always going to have really good stuff um they're not they didn't sign the red sox didn't sign him to be an ace so uh you know no need to go with that narrative at all um mm. but uh but you know it's it's good it's a good response and i think the red sox they needed a another guy or two in the rotation and and they just got another guy
1: yeah they're just trying to fill space there at that point um yeah because, I mean, what, there's a lot of talk about Brian Bayo, but he's probably not listed in the opening day rotation right now. Um, or at least, I don't think Alex Cora has penciled him in just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, But, I mean, you know, this gives you a rotation of sale. Who's a, who's a question mark? You know, we need to know if he could stay healthy. Kluber, who has had injury issues in the past, but he did pitch 164 innings last year, oddly enough, on the Rays, who notoriously yeah. cannot keep their pitchers healthy. But they kept yeah. an injury prone Corey Kluber healthy. Uh Nick Pavetta, who is Nick Pavetta. Uh yeah. James Paxton, who's coming off Tommy John surgery, and Garrett Whitlock, who uh got hurt last year after he was put into the rotation. Yeah. Um, and then Bayo, who he did get hurt last year, but it was on like a freak injury. He got hit with a comebacker, mm-hmm. I believe. Um did you see uh talking baseball's really dumb tweet about him, by the way? Uh no. So they tweeted out like the Red Sox projected rotation with Corey Kluber. Um, and it was what was listed on fan graphs, which was sale Kluber, Pavetta, Paxton Whitlock. And they were, and they, you know, tweeted out the rotation. A lot of Red Sox fans were talking about Brian Bayo and the responses. And then uh, what was it? And then they were like Red Sox and the, the, the talking baseball account, which is supposed to be neutral. We know that's, you know, it's John Boy, it's run by Yankee fans, whatever. And they said like, Red Sox fans seem really excited about Brian Bayo. He had a four seven one ERA last year in fifty seven and a third innings pitched.
0: Yeah, so
1: I was like, that that doesn't tell the story, man.
0: That doesn't tell the story. Not, he has, not even
1: close, actually.
0: Yeah, I think his expected ERA was like below three.
1: His his FIP was two nine four, and yeah, his, bat <laughs> up, his bat up against was four oh four.
0: Yeah, he had he had like a sixty percent ground ball rate and like a lot of those were just squirming through for hits
1: yeah exactly
0: um yeah it's stupid it's it's pretty stupid um
1: if you if you think about it for like half a second actually
0: yeah yeah Bayo, there's a lot of reason to be excited about uh brian Bayo, but yeah Mm -hmm. i think with the red sox like i'm i'm upset that they weren't um more in on like the Carlos Rodon sweepstakes um
1: especially with the contract he ended up getting
0: yeah like i don't know if if i were playing MLB the show and i was running the franchise i would have signed carlos rodon but you know it's not my 6 year
1: 170 million dollar deal yeah i
0: would I, definitely yeah. um so i think a lot of what this rot- rotation relies on is a uh, chris sale resurgence um mm-hmm. you know and there was a good sign of it in that one start he had that one full start he had against the Rays. Yes. He looked like 2017, 2018 Chris Sale. I will say that. He looked he did fantastic. I would I
1: would have liked for him to go deeper into that game, but he was also coming off an injury. So yeah, you, you, know, you never he like use it.
0: Yeah, they never really pushed push on the gas pedal for first start of the year. Um he looked fantastic. I think he had what, like 10 strikeouts in five innings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Rays are pretty strikeout prone, but I mean, he was, he he looked unbelievable. You know, I, I, I'm hoping I don't have to just like put all my hopes in this rotation on five innings that Chris sale uh, mm-hmm. at Chris sale pitched last year, but he looked great. But I think, I think what the Red Sox are relying on is like, you know, at least like 150 innings from him, you know, three, three level ERA or below um, to have success with this rotation, because, you know, Kluber is like, he'll be probably around average. He might have like a upper threes, low fours ERA, uh, Pavetta, you know, he'll have flashes of, of good quality, uh, performance, but he'll probably hover around a mid fours ERA. Um, Whitlock, you really don't know. Paxton, you really don't know. And, um, Bayo, you know, you're, you're hoping for
1: the only person you can really be confident in their production in this rotation is Nick Pavetta, who will give you a, like a 4.4 4 ERA. Right.
0: Yeah. Like you, you know what you're getting and it's not like fantastic, but, he'll, but, but it'll give not... you,
1: but it'll give you 180 innings. Yeah. And it's not like, a, business. he'll make all of his starts. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, he'll, he'll be there. Mm-hmm. He'll be there.
1: Um, should we jump into another, another one of these smaller deals?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, the the last one that I had in mind was Rich Hale signing with the Pirates. Uh, he is what age season is he going into now? Like 45?
0: Seventy-seven.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I, <laughs> I don't know. He
1: this guy this guy will not leave baseball. It no, he won't. Depended on it. He's always just getting uh, he's to going get on into his Rocky. age. He's going into his age forty three season. Uh, he had a three ninety two fit with the Red Sox last year. Um, his ERA didn't speak the same, but uh, I mean the Pirates are also just filling room in the rotation. Although I do think they have some promising names in there. Um, and I th- I'm hoping that Rich Hill can be sort of a veteran presence for guys like Mitch Keller to learn from, guys like Roans and Contreras, maybe, uh, maybe Luis Ortiz, if they want to give him another shot. Yeah. there, there There's a lot of guys – there are a lot of pitchers, starting pitchers to be excited about for the Pirates, and Rich Hill obviously fills room, but also – you know, I'm hoping that he can be sort of a mentor for some of these younger guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I definitely see him being traded by like July 15th or whatever, or like, <laughs> at, or at least at the deadline. Um, You know, I think, yeah, I think he'll be there. He'll, and if, if he does better than expected, yeah, he'll get, he'll get traded. And I don't know. I mean, I can't really think much of any, like, rich hill deal right now um i don't know it's just watching him on the watching him on the red sox it was like it's like all right okay there's rich hill out there he's doing his thing but i don't know i don't really have many thoughts on him
1: um i mean it's funny because now that i think about it the pirates have already had one guy that's like a veteran pitcher that they traded the deadline because he was doing all right uh like in 2021 it was uh tyler anderson who went to the Mariners. Last year it was Jose Quintana and Rich Hill. Just might be that guy now.
0: Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's why I thought about that. Because <laughs> like, I'm
1: not gonna lie. I feel like the Pirates should have kept Jose Quintana, um, especially with the contract he got for the Mets.
0: Yeah, I mean, in you know, terms I of like, like the
1: Pirates could have given him that and and worked him into some sort of future plans because I don't know. I mean. They haven't committed really much of anything to any future teams other than Key Brian Hayes. Uh, and, like, eventually it's going to start, like, oh, well, we, we're we trading O'Neal Cruz because – we or we're trading Brian Reynolds because we don't have any talent right now. But they could have had Jose Quintana. And then eventually down the line, oh, we could have had – we don't have any talent, so we're trading O'Neal Cruz. Right. And then, you know, I feel like the cycle is just going to continue. Like, they need, to, they need some sort of people to build around that aren't Key Brian Hayes.
0: Yeah, they're just they're just a broken, a real broken system. I like yeah. I think a, a lot of it is like player development. I mean you you're always like they have Hayes, Cruz, and and uh even Reynolds. like Henry Davis. Yeah. Um
1: Tamar Johnson.
0: But like I don't know, they just haven't been able to like get those guys that are like kind of good on mm-hmm. the on the team. Like, I don't know. Just a it's just they just seem to lack player development. They've always had a problem with developing pitching. It's been glaringly obvious with like field projects, like Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton, who just had to be on any other organization and just be good. Yeah, um I
1: mean, Garrett Cole did have one like particularly good season with the Pirates, but
0: never twenty
1: six twenty sixteen seventeen though. Yeah, he was like he, a three in the rotation
0: if he stayed in the pirates organization, he was never going to get $300 million. We can agree on that.
1: (laughs) No, not at all. Um,
0: And not just because the pirates aren't paying him. It's because he wouldn't be good enough to get $300 million. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, and you know, Tyler glass now is another example. um, Who just went to the raise and immediately improved dramatically. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Uh, something something wrong with the team obviously ownership is a big factor like some sometimes teams have bad player development but they can just spend their way to the top the pirates aren't going to do that so who knows um
1: anyway i mean i do like the rich hill deal for several reasons i think you know he could be i don't i don't i mean like it's tough for me to say like they should have kept quintana and keep the same energy for rich hill because I don't think Rich Hill respectfully is a part of any team's future plans because he is 43 years old.
0: Yeah, 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 I don't know. Um,
1: I can't imagine. It's crazy to think when you and I watch Rich Hill with the Red Sox in 29 innings in 2015, where he was like the one bright spot at the end of the season that he'd be in the league eight years later. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a very good chance we see him in 2025.
0: Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's
1: not impossible.
0: Right. Like as long as he's able to have an ERA like below five and a half, mm-hmm. he can find his way onto a roster. Um it's good for him. Good for him. Absolutely. Well, um, before we get into uh kind of the main event of this episode, um I guess I guess we can talk about the uh the Carlos Correa situation a little more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we thought that this was done two episodes ago, one episode ago. Uh but somehow the cycle has repeated itself where the Giants cut him because of his physical. He signed with the Mets and the Mets don't like his physical. Um yeah. I mean, I think I think this does make Giants fans and the Giants front office feel a little more validated that they weren't alone uh in being concerned. I'm going to be honest at this point I really don't think the deal gets done. Uh, the reporting from Andy Martino the other day was that the Mets are considering walking away. Uh, but in the, in the article, it also said that they're considering staying. So there wasn't really much reporting to be, to have been done, even though the headline was very telling. Yeah. Um, so that was unfortunate, but I don't know. It's, it's very weird on Christmas Eve, the news dropped that the Mets were, were holding back a little bit. We're now to January 7th and this hasn't been resolved. Uh, I just feel bad for Korea, man. Like this has got to be so frustrating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. For the sure. He just
1: wants to know where he's playing next year. At this point, I don't think he really cares where he's playing. He just wants to have a deal and know right. how much he's making. Because I mean yeah, like this, whole, this free agency thing, he's, this free agency thing has been kind of haunting him for a while. You know, he, he took a he took a, a stock poll deal with the twins, uh, opted out of that. And sign with the Giants, sign with the Mets, and we still don't really know what he's where he's playing, where he's spending the, the bulk of the rest of his career. Uh and there's there's the whole meme of like he's gonna go through all 30 teams and then sign a minor league deal with the A's.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> which will be fun.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. Like it it's hard to understand the the realness of the situation considering all like most of this information is undisclosed. Um, We just know that there is some sort of issue, but we don't know what it is. Exactly. Um, But from a Mets perspective, I can understand Paul team because it's like, it's like, okay, we already have a shortstop. Um, He was just going to play third base. And it's like, you know, I don't know. You can just have Eduardo Escobar play there and not sign this, you know, potentially risky $300 million deal where, you know, the money could be spent elsewhere um I know it's Steve Cohen and it's kind of endless but like you know it does end at some point there is some type of stopping point so yeah like um, why why risk it on a guy that you don't even really need
1: I think that's exactly the thing like I don't think the Mets losing him would be as detrimental as it was for the Giants um, totally I think the funniest possible outcome is that the Giants just get him on a much less deal that like they get him for like 10 years 275
0: oh yeah man they're like
1: well yeah, you know, we're just gonna suck it up because at this point, I mean, what's the point of physical? is they already took it, they know what it is.
0: Right. Exactly. I yeah, I think I saw a tweet earlier, maybe today or yesterday, that like at least one team is contact, at least one other team has contacted Correa.
1: The rumor is that it's the Red Sox.
0: Ah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll
1: see. I don't know. I don't want to believe anything till this Mets thing is resolved.
0: Yeah, I i wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if the Red Sox got him for, yeah, like 10 to 75 and just let Bogarts, who's older and probably worse, go for more money, um, even though Bogarts oh, yeah. is kind of the soul of that team or mm-hmm. was the soul of that team. Um, but yeah, so that that situation continues to uh, be interesting. But um, yeah, I guess another update, another team next episode. Yeah. Um,
1: Tune I'll in next it. week where we will be talking about his deal with the Cleveland Guardians.
0: Yeah. For four years and thirty million dollars. Yeah. Um. Exactly. Yeah, it'll it will be funny when Correa like takes some sort of discounted offer and then plays like a hundred fifty games every single year for the whole contract. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Facts. <laughs> oh, that'd be so sad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh this issue wasn't really too much of an issue, I guess. <laughs> um but yeah, um
1: at age at age forty at age forty one, he's putting up like an eight thirty OPS right. with like 30 homers.
0: Yeah, still positive like defensive numbers. Um yeah.
1: still playing shortstop at age forty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um year ten of that deal.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, damn,
1: I could have had this for four more years in San Fran.
0: <laughs> um but yeah so that's all for uh mlb free agency as of now but um we have a big big uh big epi- big part of the episode coming up with um the baseball hall of fame the election is in two weeks about right it's
1: yeah the 24th yeah 24th um it's
0: two and a
1: half weeks basically
0: So we're going to reveal our ballots uh, toward the end of the episode, but we're going to talk about um, the state of the Hall of Fame right now. Um, We previewed the contemporary era ballot um, uh, in December. It just ended up Fred McGriff uh, was uh, that Fred McGriff was inducted uh, unanimously on that ballot. So good for him. But um, so, yeah, so far as Fred McGriff uh what are the what's the status of everyone else right now
1: it's been a very interesting year uh in the tracker uh because obviously it's the first year of the hall of fame voting with no bonds no clemens no sosa no shilling the the you know, i mean other than gary sheffield the steroid guys uh i guess andy pettit too like besides basically andy pettit and Gary Sheffield, the only steroid guys are guys like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez that tested positive for PDs and were suspended by the league. That was yeah. not the case with any of the previous guys. Um, but it's been a pretty encouraging year to say the least, I guess, because, you know, I think the consensus was uh, we're going to see some gains from guys like Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner. Uh, And we've seen a lot of it, especially from Todd Helton. Todd Helton is plus 22 right now in the net gains. And he's at 79.1% after 129 ballots have been released. Uh, That's about a third of the vote. Um, Todd Helton received 52% of the vote last year. And it's honestly not impossible at this point to think maybe he just outright gets in this year. It's unlikely, but I think I wouldn't be surprised at this point to see him reach 70% of the vote, uh, which has been excellent. Um, we've also seen big gains from Andrew Jones, who's at plus 21 currently he sits at 69.8% of the vote, uh, after being at 41.1% last year, uh, at at this point I'd love to see him get between 55 60% on his sixth ballot that's that puts him in a really good trend. Uh, we've seen a too little too late gain from Jeff Kent who's at plus 21 also. He's at 49.6% of the vote in his last year on the ballot. So uh, he won't be making it in, but it's sort of like a similar situation with Fred McGriff where he just got a ton of votes on his last year from Reuters that are like, eh, you know what? I'll just vote for him to say I did it.
0: Yeah, Uh, right.
1: Because we know he's not getting in. Yeah. Um, We're seeing big gains from Billy Wagner, who is at uh, 71.3% of the vote. That is big. He was at 51% last year around the same Uh, He's kind of around the same area as Todd Helton, where if we could see him get from get to 60%, maybe even like 65, 70, he's looking good. He's in his eighth year. And then lastly, Gary Sheffield is in his ninth year on the ballot. Uh, He's at 68.2%. He was at 40.6% last year. I don't think he's going to get in ultimately, but you know, he could make a late push and uh, put himself out there on the uh, veterans committee ballot, which who knows what happens there. The one, Discouraging thing I'd say has been Scott Roland has not gotten the, uh, the net gain support that I would have hoped for. He missed out by forty-seven votes last year. He's only at plus eight on the ballot. He's at eighty point six percent right now. Uh, he was at sixty-three point two percent last year, so he only has to gain twelve percent to get in this year. And I was really banking on the idea that Scott Rowland was getting in this year. Right now, I'd say it's about 50-50. I'm really not sure. Uh, the private ballots really, really don't like him. Uh, he lost 7.8% of his uh, of the pre-results uh, vote last year. He was at 70% before the before the election last year, ended up at 60%. So, you know, given that same thing he needs to be around 82 83% to have a chance assuming that the private ballots stay that way um and right now he's at 80.6%. uh but one thing that is encouraging is uh at some point soon the athletic will be doing their group reveal which is 11 ballots or at least last year it was 11 ballots and Roland went 11 for 11. He was on every single one of them. uh so that's you know those are 11 votes that will be coming in. None of them are gains unfortunately but if, if those are put in right now before any other ballots are public, uh, that puts them above 82%, uh, is encouraging. So Roland needs to, you know, we need to see a little more net gain support for Roland, but you know, it's 50, 50 right now. So that's, that's my status, uh, so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, We've both been firm on um, really like Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones and even uh, mm-hmm. Todd Helton. Like we really want um, their support to be increased. Um, and, you know, definitely good sign with Helton and Jones, um, especially Jones for me. I think I'm, yeah. I think Jones has really been underrated throughout this whole thing. Um,
1: It's cool to see. And even if it's a third of the vote, it's cool to see him basically at
0: 70%. Right like that's very encouraging um also you know for for context on kind of what we think and kind of where these players are at we did um 10 bubble cases 2 years ago um breaking down a lot of these players some of the players that we broke down are now off the ballot um but some of these uh you know we broke down a lot of these players and what makes them a hall of famer, or not a hall of famer, um, go check those out. It's on a playlist on our YouTube channel. And also, um, we're also making some shorts on some of these, uh, some of these players, uh, the Scott Roland one is already out. Th- mm-hmm. That's kind of more, those ones are a little more biased. I think we're just, uh, looking at players we think should be in the hall of fame and explaining yeah. why. Um, so yeah, check out, uh, check out the YouTube channel for that above replacement radio. Um, but yeah, I think, there's a lot of there's a lot of encouragement and i think it's kind of obvious why like four significant players or at least three significant players uh in Schilling, bonds and clemens uh were taken off the ballot or or maxed out on ballots last year um so you know a lot of these baseball writers were their ballot was stacked and they had probably some some guys they thought were hall of fame worthy who they couldn't put on their ballot because you know, you you only get to have 10. I know personally with my mock ballot, I had 13 guys that I thought were hall of fame worthy. So I could only put 10 down. So now in my mock ballot, I'm adding, I think three guys to, uh, three guys to the ballot. Um, so, so, uh, so yeah, like, you know, I think those significant guys being, or maxing out on the ballot, um, adds a lot of, uh, makes it better for a lot of these um other other players like Wagner Helton Jones and uh Roland and even like Bobby Abreu like a lot of those guys. Yeah. Um so yeah I mean uh it would be good to see Roland get in this year. Um but you know even if he doesn't he'll probably get in the year after. I imagine it's harder to get it's harder to Go from like sixty to seventy five than it is from like forty five to sixty. If that makes sense.
1: Oh, it absolutely um, is. No, so you're absolutely right on that.
0: It's a steeper steeper hill, I guess. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Weird,
0: to, weird to analyze these things sometimes. Um. All right. Uh, any any more thoughts on the Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah, I mean, are we gonna get into our ballots from here? Um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So I'll just kick this off by saying for the last year, I have struggled with my 10th vote. I knew there were nine people I was absolutely going to put on this ballot. Number 10 was difficult. And it wasn't like I just like thought about it over the last minute. Like I spent the entirety of the last 12 months looking this over because I knew who was going to be on the ballot. And I still really did not know what I was going to do uh, up until today, but I went I considered I think six different players for my tenth vote. Uh and they were off the top of my head, let me let me just look at my the ballot real quick. So I considered uh Mark Burley, Tori Hunter, Jeff Kent, Andy Pettit, Francisco Rodriguez, and Jimmy Rollins for my tenth vote. Uh and I had to go with one of them. And I did eventually go with one of them, but it was a very difficult decision. Probably, probably the one of the best, most difficult decisions that I've ever made in, on a ballot in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was tough. Uh, are we going to get in now?
0: Um, or actually, before we get in, I I don't think we talked at all about um Carlos Beltran.
1: I was going to um, save him.
0: So I okay, we can save him. Sounds yeah. good. Um. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to? get into your
1: yeah ballot so are we going are we going so I know that we power ranked our ballots are we going to go like 10 through 1 where we alternate or are we just going to go straight up
0: well I think we'll go straight up
1: okay so my hall of fame ballot I'll save my, my 10th vote until the end but I had seven holdovers uh two additions and one first year player so my holdovers were Bobby Abreu Todd Helton Andrew Jones Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Scott Rowland, and Billy Wagner. My one new player, my one first-year player that I add was Carlos Beltran, and my two additions were Gary Sheffield, and my 10th vote went to Jeff Kent. Mm. I added Jeff Kent to this year.
0: Yeah, Uh. that is that is good stuff. It was, um, my...
1: I My a lot of people, but I ended up landing on him.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into explanations after I reveal my ballot. I had uh five, um, let me put it over here so I'm closer to the mic. I had five holdovers, I believe. Um, one first year player and three additions. Um my holdovers were uh Alex Rodriguez, Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, uh Todd Helton, and Bobby Abreu. Um my first year player was Carlos Beltran, and my additions were uh Billy Wagner, Manny Ramirez, and Gary Sheffield. Um, you added Ramirez this year, what
1: you added Ramirez this year, I did, yeah. Wow, so do we have the same ballot other than just Jeff Kent?
0: Um, I think so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I only have nine on the ballot, and um, also. I will say Billy Wagner and Gary Sheffield I had on my 2021 mock ballot, but I removed mm-hmm. them last year for others for uh, David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez. But yeah, they're I, back also, on.
1: I also had Gary Sheffield on my 2021 mock ballot.
0: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Manny Ramirez is the, is the only one who, for me um, besides Carlos Beltran, who has never been on my mock ballot. So congratulations, Manny Ramirez! Welcome to my uh, mock ballot. Um. All right. So those are our selections. Now, I, I think it's we've we determined this a couple of years ago. It's it's I think it's important to explain like who our top picks are and where you know you know power ranking the ba- power ranking the ballot to let people know like I have this person ahead of this person because you know. It's it's all the same value when once you pick them. So, we'll we'll get into our uh, power rankings of who we picked. Um. So we'll start with you,
1: right? So my number ten, uh, power rank, uh, is Jeff Kent. He was my tenth vote. Uh, obviously. So I'll I'll talk about why I went with Jeff Kent over the others. Uh, first of all, it is his tenth ballot, and you know, I can't vote for him again after this year. So I figured, uh, let's do it. That was part of it, but also. Uh, I pulled up a list of players with at least a 500 slugging percentage in 9,000 9, career plate appearances. Uh, Jeff Kent's sl- slugging percentage was exactly 500 in his career. And there's a list of 40 players in MLB history that had a 500 slugging that are not, that had at least, sorry, that had at least a 500 slugging in uh, at least 9,000 career plate appearances. And of those 40, the only ones not in the Baseball Hall of Fame are. Barry Bonds, who, of course, you know, had Hall of Fame numbers, but was not inducted due to PED allegations. Albert Pujols, who will be in the Hall of Fame, but he just retired, so he's not eligible yet. Alex Rodriguez, who is currently on the ballot and will not be in this year and is not in currently because of PEDs. Uh, Rafael Palmeiro, who had Hall of Fame worthy numbers, had 3,000 hits, but obviously had PED allegations. Manny Ramirez, same situation. He has A-Rod, he's on the ballot currently, and he's not been elected due to PEDs. Gary Sheffield, who is on the ballot currently, but had PED allegations as well. Miguel Cabrera, who is still playing. Todd Helton, who is currently on the ballot. And Jeff Kent. Those are the people that are not in the Hall of Fame with those numbers. Jeff Kent fits in, uh, you know. Babe, uh, obviously, if you look at the other Hall of Famers on this list, you see a lot of the top names of all time. Oh, additionally, Sammy Sosa had a, a 500 slugging percentage, but is not in the Hall of Fame uh, due to PED allegations. So, you know, you look at the list of people that aren't in the Hall of Fame, and largely, it's people who had Hall of Fame credentials, right? Like they had the numbers uh and whether they're whether it's because of peds or not eligible yet or currently on the ballot you know there's a lot of reasons that are not they weren't talented enough so uh i decided to throw jeff kent on there because of that
0: yeah i think that's uh pretty justified um mm-hmm. yeah i think personally with jeff kent i think i have i got a little caught up with like uh league adjusted statistics when yeah. a lot of that is like because of steroids and kent wasn't a steroid guy so i get why that could be discounted discount
1: mention not to mention he's the all-time home run leader among second basemen
0: yeah that's that's a big one that people point out i think uh for um points that out because mm-hmm. in his whatever four-person ballot that he has <laughs> <Yeah>. Harry, um <laughs> remember
1: remember like two years ago when you made a whole production out of his that's, ballot
0: that's what i'm referring to yeah yeah <laughs> Um. So uh, okay. So you had Jeff Kent as your tenth. Mm. Um, yeah. your number nine.
1: Oh, are we. I thought we were alternating.
0: Oh, I can. I yeah, I can alternate too. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Um, my number nine is I had, prime nine. I had nine, nine players. Real, nine real, real ones. Real ones. no prime nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had nine guys on my ballot. Um, yeah. Gary Sheffield was my ninth um i think uh so in 2021 i put ramirez off the ballot and sheffield on the ballot i don't know i think they're kind of around the same level and i just put ramirez ahead of sheffield this year but sheffield um you know i think he's a hall of fame worthy player but barely because he had the worst defensive runs above average of all time so like his when he was in right field or whatever he was He was a problem and not in a good way. Uh, However, um, you know, 907 career OPS, 140 career OPS plus uh, 507 or no, 509 home runs. Um, Like he was great, but he's last on my power rankings because he wasn't able to accumulate like a lot of wins above replacement. Um, He didn't have like a crazy peak either, whereas Manny Ramirez had like he had like a five or six years where he was like consistently 1,000 OPS, 1,000 OPS, 1,000 OPS. Like that was just every year for him. Gary Sheffield, I think kind of scattered his great, great years around and didn't have as many great years as Manny Ramirez. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, that's Gary Sheffield as my ninth pick.
1: All right. So my ninth pick is Manny Ramirez. I, I think I voted for him like every year. It feels like that he's been on the ballot. Um, I do take some sort of merit into you know getting suspended for PEDs versus just allegations, um, and maybe yeah, you know he's one of he's one of two players on the ballot that uh, got actually got suspended, um, but nonetheless he has a nine ninety six career OPS. That is steroids or not. That's insane. That is incredible. Um, and he, if he retired after like twenty like two thousand nine or so, he probably could have. Uh, He probably could have kept it at over a thousand, which is incredibly rare. That really doesn't happen. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no denying the talents. Um, and I did kind of bump him down in my rankings because of the suspension stuff. You know, it does, it's hard for that to not play into your, your, uh, your consideration. You know, he was great with Cleveland. He was great with Boston. Uh, he was amazing in LA for that one season, but it turned out that was when he was using, um, Mm. So yeah i don't know i did bump manny down because of uh the steroid allegations but i do still think he's hall of fame worthy
0: right yeah yeah, yeah. so my number eight is manny ramirez um yeah. as i've made it uh known the past couple of years to the uh anyone that'll listen uh i have a rule like if you got suspended for peds i will consider your career up to 2005 which was when PEDs became punishable, which is basically illegal. Like there's a whole thing. I think there, I think, I think steroids were like banned substances, but there was no punishment for it. Whereas like, I don't know, like if, if Jay, you know, for example, if, with the law, like if jaywalking is banned, but uh it's not punishable, then I'm jaywalking all day. So, yeah. so if, if it's not punishable, it's not illegal in my, in my view of it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Manny Ramirez. Yeah. I have him as number eight. I have him ahead of Gary Sheffield because I think Manny Ramirez like from like 1998 to 2003, it was just nuts. Like he probably was like the, you know, he was definitely one of the best hitters in the game from 1998 to 2003. Like, like he dominated that, uh, that era. He also, um, before 2005, he had, 50.7 50.7 wins above replacement in all packed into 12 seasons. And the first two of those seasons, he played less than a hundred games. He was just getting into the league. So even if you just break it down from, uh, 95 to 04, that's, um, 49.8 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference, which is five war per season, um, which is, you know, all-star level for 10 whole seasons. I don't think Gary Sheffield really had that, um, had that like streak of like oh wow it's Gary Sheffield this guy is amazing for you know 10 consecutive years he's one of the best hitters in in baseball although Gary Sheffield never got suspended for PEDs so I don't even hold that against him I use it I I look at his whole career for what it is you know from until 2009 which is when his career ended I just look at that as a whole um, as opposed to Ramirez he got suspended so I look at his career up to uh 2005. Uh, your number eight pick.
1: So my number eight pick is the other, uh, player suspended for steroids on this ballot. I'm going with Alex Rodriguez. Um, you know, I put him above Manny because I think he was an overall better player. I think that kind of goes without saying, um, A-Rod, listen, you know, he's obviously his own case with PEDs because he. He kind of destroyed his own integrity more than anyone else could. He tested positive multiple times. He went on 60 minutes and lied about taking steroids. He uh, you know, tried to make a mockery of MLB's investigation into him. He uh ruined other people's lives in his for his own gain. Uh he's a he's a completely different case. Uh, and that is kind of inarguable. Uh however, yeah. if we're talking Hall of Fame. 117 career wins above replacement on baseball reference over 100 well over 100 on both websites um he was very good up until really about like maybe 2011 2012 you know before the the big suspension in 2013 to 14 uh he was a fantastic player he was he won three mvps he said baseball on a whole different scale with you know his popularity up until you know all of that stuff came out um you know, he's uh, like I said, he's his own case. And if he doesn't get in via BBWAA it's I don't even see it as a case of, oh, they just don't like him for steroids. Like it's so much more than that. Uh, however, I'm I'm taking talent into consideration here. Uh, and A-Rod had the talent. But however, you know, there is something to be said about his off the field image and how he portrayed himself and how he handled himself during all that.
0: um Yeah, for sure. There is. Yeah. There can be, I guess, a little character clause attributed mm-hmm. to uh, Mr. Rodriguez. Um, a little
1: one. I mean, I think there are worse characters on this ballot specifically. Um, yeah. But you have to acknowledge that A-Rod is a special case of steroid players.
0: Right, 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 right. Um, So for my number seven, uh, I have Billy Wagner, who um rejoined my mock ballot. Um, yeah, I thought he was Hall of Fame worthy before I've, I've thought about, I thought he's Hall of Fame worthy since 2021. Um, he just, there wasn't enough room on my ballot for him last year. Um, you know, I think just really dominant, uh, six, sixth all time in, uh, career saves, you know, a, a 187 career ERA plus. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't like dig too deep into my reasoning with a lot of these guys um this particular year so i can't remember exactly like why i have him on but he he i mean like he was he's one of the best relievers of all time the numbers suggest that and uh i think he's Hall of Fame worthy
1: i'll i'll get into that later don't worry about yeah. it yeah yeah So for my number seven, I went with a guy that you've previously mentioned. I went with Gary Sheffield. I put him above Manny and A-Rod because of steroid allegations versus steroid suspensions. Uh, Gary Sheffield had the same OPS plus as A-Rod in almost 11,000 plate appearances. Uh, The defense is obviously a thing. It certainly weighed him down plenty, Uh, but he did still get the 60 weighted runs created plus on baseball reference. And he got over fifty on FanGraphs, which is my my uh, line of consideration, if you will. Um, he was a fantastic hitter for so many years. I mean, he put up he put up a uh, a one nineteen OPS plus at the age of thirty eight, and he put up a one sixty eight OPS plus at the age of twenty three. You know, he was great for a long time. Uh, he had a nine fifty one OPS and a one fifty OPS plus between the years of nineteen ninety two and two thousand seven. Uh, that's that's almost nine thousand plate appearances in between so he was great for a long time obviously defense is a thing and steroid allegations are a thing um but there's no denying the hitter that he was and also just the you know the sort of presence and the cultural value that he had in baseball you know you've heard you've probably heard from plenty of people that said like when they played wiffle ball in their backyards they they did gary Sheffield's stance with like the bat waggle and everything yeah. like that you know like he has some sort of iconic image with him. And I think that that also is something that matters when considering the hall of fame, uh, you know, I don't think it has to be the end all be all because there are plenty of hall of famers that had the talent and also just do not have anything that really stood out to them as individuals. Um, but Gary yeah. Sheffield had that and that stuff can matter. I think it can push people over the top and that's why I put him uh, on my ballot this year. I, I had him return to my ballot. Uh, and I put him at number seven in my power rankings.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Gary Sheffield. Um, yeah, we both agreed on him being a hall of famer. You have, you have seventh in your power rankings. I have him ninth, not too far apart. Um, my number six is, uh, Bobby Abreu. Um, Bobby Abreu. I just, I just like, he's become like one of my favorite, like, under the radar guys on the or probably my favorite under the radar guy on the ballot because I think I don't know it's just like you look at the numbers and I don't know it's just I I don't know why he's not getting any more attention I mean 10,000 plate appearances obviously he had the longevity there when you're getting 10,000 plate appearances 870 career OPS 395 career on base percentage uh 1400 walks 2400 hits 128 OPS plus. If you want to go league adjusted, I know he was in the steroid era, but he wasn't on steroids. And then uh, with the base running, 400 stolen bases. Um, I know in our uh in our bubble case breakdown, we broke down some of the exclusive clubs he was in. Uh, I think like 850 OP or 850 plus OPS and like 400 stolen bases in the live air live ball era. I think it's only like him and like Barry Bonds and or maybe Bobby Bonds is in that, but like. He's in some exclusive clubs, um, and he's just not getting recognized for it. Part of it is just like, I don't know, he's Bobby Abreu. He was, he was always kind of that goofy-looking guy who played right field. But, like, I don't know. He's just – he's really good. Also, I I, I will note in my uh, reasoning for him on my ballot, um, from 1998 to 2004, um, the, uh, the leaders in F-War, position player F-War were – Barry Bonds, um, who, you know, was on my ballot, Alex Rodriguez, who is on my ballot, Scott Rowland on my ballot, uh, Andrew Jones on my ballot, then Bobby Abreu, who's on my ballot, then Todd Helton, who's on my ballot. So he's ahead of Todd Helton in that in that uh 1998 to 2004 range, a seven year stretch. And along with that, great career numbers, 2400 did hits. Todd Helton debut?
1: And oh, never mind. OK, 20, yeah,
0: 2400 right. hits. 1400 walks, 128 OPS plus, 10,000 plate appearances. He just has, he has all my requirements and he had a, and he had a good peak from 98 to 2004. So, um, so yeah, Bobby Breu, he's my number six.
1: Yeah. My number six. Uh, is also Bobby Abreu. We we agree on that. This man was an underrated king. Uh, you mentioned some of the exclusive clubs he's in, Chris. I will name some of those right now. Thank you. He's one of two players in MLB history with 200 home runs, 400 stolen bases and an 850 OPS. It's him and Barry Bonds. That's yep. it. Uh, he is the only player in the last 67 years to put up multiple seasons with 10-plus triples and 100-plus walks. He was the first player to do so in multiple seasons since Mickey Mantle did it in the in the 60s and 50s and 60s. Uh, he is one of eight players in the modern era that goes back to 1900 with a 390 career on-base percentage and 400 career stolen bases. Six of said players are Hall of Famers, One of them is Barry Bonds. One of them is Bobby Abreu. He had such a unique skill set of, you know, on-base percentage and also stolen bases and also just general hitting abilities uh, that really makes him stand out from from the crowd here. A 395 career OBP is incredible. Exactly 400 stolen bases is very satisfying. Uh, 288 career home runs, an 870 OPS, a 128 OPS plus. This man was an underrated king. There's no other way of putting it. Uh, I'm... You know, he's in his sixth, I believe he's in his sixth year now. Is he in his, what what year is he in on the ballot? He's in his Uh, fourth fourth. year. Okay, that's way better than sixth. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, we, you know, he's not exactly on the best track right now in general, but Larry Walker was on a not so great track before too. So yeah, anything's possible. I would love to see Bobby Abreu get into the Hall of Fame. That would be great for Sabermetrics. That'd be great for the nerds.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Bobby Abreu is an underrated king and he's a Hall of Famer in my book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, um, it's just the combination of being able to get on base, being able to hit for power and being able to, uh, run the bases as well as not be a bad defender. Um, I mean, I don't know, like, yeah, he wasn't even a trash defender either. So, um, so yeah, I, I think he should definitely be getting more recognition. Um, my number five is, uh, Todd Helton. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, probably broke i've probably broken this down like you know he just it it just uh he just fits for sure he he wasn't a bad defender and um he had a one thirty three o p s plus in over nine thousand plate appearances um o four or two thousand to two thousand four it's unbelievable what he was able to do he averaged seven and a half war during that stretch um which is crazy to do for a five year stretch. You know, one of the best players in baseball during that, during those five years. And um, yeah, I think it's kind of concrete why I have him there. Just a great hitter and wasn't a bad enough defender to uh, make him, make me not consider him.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was your number five. Yep. All right. So my number five uh, was Andrew Jones, your guy, Chris, mm-hmm. um, he was um. I mean, obviously, there's a he had a big fall off, uh. Once he hit thirty, I believe it was. Yeah, once he hit thirty, uh. But his twenties and even teens were amazing. He had an 850 OPS from 1996 to 2006 with 342 home runs in just that short of a period of time. Only six thousand plate appearances, a 116 OPS plus, and most importantly, uh, a wins above replacements of. I'm waiting for baseball to reference to load real quick. Uh it was it was well above 50 at that point, probably even close to 60 at that point. Um of 58 on baseball reference. Uh Andrew Jones was excellent for enough time to have a good enough peak. Uh he is he uh his 2005 season is the only where a player has hit 50. 50- 50 home runs and produced a D war at least two in a single season that dates back to 1871. And only Andrew Jones has done it. There have been two seasons in baseball history with at least 25 home runs 24 stolen bases and a D war of at least three. It was Andrew Jones in 1998 and Andrew Jones in 1999. He's the only player in baseball history to do it. And he did it twice. In back-to-back years at the ages of 21 and 22 years old. Uh, He was tremendous at defense. He was a solid hitter during his peak. He was a decent base dealer for for some time as well. He had at least 20 stolen bases in every year from 1997 to 2000. He finished his career with 152. Uh, Andrew Jones has gotten a lot of support this year. He's number five on my list.
0: Yeah, um, my number four is uh, Carlos Beltran. Um, you know, he's just kind of a another guy who's like a concrete hall of famer. You know, not necessarily like a uh, legend status, but like, you know, he's just he was really good for a really long time and he's a hall of famer. Um, it just there there's not not much explaining you need to do. Um, he has all the all the credentials. Um, he has the power, he has the ability to get on base. Um, he has the ability to or had the ability to run the bases and he had the peak from Oh one to 2008. Um, he uh, averaged 5.9 wins above replacement over an eight, over an eight season span. Um, you know, he was behind, you know, only a couple guys and probably, you know, maybe that, maybe they were on steroids during that time as well, like Alex Rodriguez. Um, and uh, you know, I don't have him ahead of, Roland Jones or Rodriguez. Um, I think Roland, Roland's and Jones's peak, um, outweigh what uh Beltran was able to do. Um, because I think Beltran was like a lot of his his success was a little more spread out, not necessarily the same like concentrated peak that those guys had. But it's very close between those um between Beltran, Roland, and Jones. It just kind of happened where i had the order
1: it's fair enough so my number four is also carlos beltran the one uh the one first year on this ballot that got my support uh and by far the most uh intriguing first year uh on this ballot um i don't want to hear anything about 2017 i don't care it was the worst year of his career and it's all speculation we don't truly know who was the ringleader of the Astros cheating scandal it's been reported that it was Beltron, but the Astros also tried to throw everyone under the bus that wasn't still in the organization at the time so uh, I, I have not really looked in, anything into that uh, Carlos Beltron had a 119 career OPS plus he had 70.1 baseball reference wins above replacement and he was right around 70 on fan graphs as well uh, he had fantastic seasons for so many years with the Royals the Mets uh even the Giants for a little bit and he only played 44 games for them in 2011 but uh after getting traded from the Mets but he was fantastic with them as well he had one of the best playoff runs uh in 2004 for the Astros I believe let me let me yeah. real quick show you gotta mention yeah, the playoffs he, when you're talking about a, Beltran in, yeah he had a 15-21 OPS in yeah. seven games played in 20 in 32 played appearances uh, and that's, that was just the NLCS alone in the AL, in the NLDS. He had a 1591 OPS in 24 plate appearances. He went off those playoffs. Uh, he had a, in, in a 256 postseason at-bats, he had a 1021 OPS. You know, people love to throw around postseason performance and Carlos Beltran had it. Uh, he is one of two players in history with 400 home runs, 300 stolen bases, and 550 plus doubles, and you guess it, it's Barry Bonds is the other one, and yeah. Carlos Beltran is the other of those two. Um, he was also, you know, he's kind of like Bobby Abreu, but more out loud, if you think about it. You know, he yeah. had a similar skill set, uh, maybe not as much with the walks, definitely not as much with the walks, but very dynamic mix of contact and power, also with speed, and relatively average defense. Uh, and he did it on the big stage and he did it more out loud. So that's why yeah. I have Carlos Beltran at number four.
0: Yeah, he was definitely in the spotlight more than a, like a peak happened with like the Phillies in the early 2000s and they weren't really relevant. Uh, Beltran was able to have success with like, you know, briefly the Astros when they were always in, when they were in the hunt for uh, a World Series and eventually on the Mets when they were on the hunt for a World Series. So he was more in the spotlight for sure. Also, um, uh, Beltron from 01 to 08, I mentioned his wins of a replacement. He was only behind Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, and Barry Bonds in F four from 01 to 08. And you know, he was his career went far beyond that. It was not just his, it wasn't just a peak heavy career. He had, you know, a lot of count statistics um to uh, back his Hall of Fame case up. And yeah, I I failed to mention the um the cheating scandal. I think it's like, I don't know, it's, it's just way different for me than like a steroid thing, because that's an individual decision that you can make. This was, you know, 25 guys plus, you know, maybe a manager, maybe a general manager, maybe an entire analytics department, maybe like, I don't know, who knows, there's so much we don't know about that situation that I can't just pin it on Carlos. I definitely can't pin it on Carlos Beltran as a ringleader because that's just I don't know it was a report it seemed kind of just weird and like headlining and kind of just trying to it's
1: also it's also so new still that we yeah. really can't even like you know it took a long time for steroid guys to be on the ballot after the scandal had leaked you know like Barry Bonds was still playing when his name was getting tied up in all this Carlos Beltran was what three years retired
0: yeah when it all right. came out like, yeah like uh in- belt the whole that that one athletic article that was released in like i don't know february of 2020 like where it said carlos beltron was like the ringleader he like made aj hinch do it it seems so like tabloidy and just cheap I, it mm-hmm. just seemed so just i don't know looking at on turns
1: out he was the ringleader like i i don't care man he wanted to get a ring in his 40s when yeah he was, i don't know when he had like an 87 ops plus like i really I can't find a way to get me to care about that
0: like I don't know I'm not I'm not a moralist either and you know he broke the like yeah he broke the rules but also uh there were there were way too many people in the operation just pinned it on him and Mm -hmm. so I, I just can't
1: and not only that but we've also now I mean we've now learned even though it was kind of Given, but multiple teams cheated this, like not the same way the Astros did, but they, you know, they tried to gain the same advantage of, you know, stealing signs through technology. The yeah. Astros happen to have done it better than anyone else. Does that mean we should punish them more? No, I don't think yeah. so. I think cheating is cheating is cheating is cheating. You know, if you're going to do it, then do it.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's a weird situation. And Beltron had too good of a career to just throw it away on the ballot because of you know, a thing you don't know where his responsibility is on that. Mm-hmm. Um, glad, glad we were, we both had him around the same, um, power ranking wise, so we could extend on that. Yeah. Um, my number three is Scott rolling Um, another thing where, I don't know, it's kind of concrete. He had a great, he had a great peak from, I think, 98 to 04, where he was only behind Bonds and Rodriguez in wins above replacement, um, a guy who was able to be twenty two percent above average offensively, according to Baseball Reference, as well as win uh, like eight or nine Gold Gloves, and justifiably because his defensive numbers are some of the best out there. Um, like what he was able to do with the bat, along with how great he was defensively, um, he's slam dunk candidate for me.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's absolutely uh my number three is todd helton todd helton mm-hmm. uh, of course played his entire career with the colorado rockies um and people love to harp on that even though that is not fair for todd helton
0: even though ops plus and wager runs created plus exists
1: i would try telling that to 60 year old baseball writers yeah um from 2000 i'm gonna do it anyway from 2000 to 2004 that's a five-year sample uh todd helton ranked third in fan wins above replacement only trailing barry bonds and alex rodriguez meaning for five years todd helton was the best clean player he was the best one no one was better than him he had 34.5 wins above replacement just over that period he had a 15.6% walk rate and an 11.6% strikeout rate. He walked more than he struck out. He had a 450 on-base percentage. He had a 643 slugging percentage. He still despite course fields and the steroid era had a 158 weighted runs created plus during that time. That's remarkable. Uh not only that but if you, you look at his home road splits throughout his career, uh not only was he still more than serviceable on the road with an 855 OPS, which is like still Hall of Fame worthy, but his home numbers were Bonzian. His career slash line at Coors Field in over a thousand games played and 4,841 played appearances, 345 batting average, 441 slugging percentage, or sorry, 441 on base percentage, 607 slugging percentage, a 1048 OPS. That's literally three points of of OBP away from being Bond's career. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's absurd. It's incredible. Uh, this man was also an underrated king. Uh, and this man is a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, Todd Helton. Um, his road OPS eight fifty five. That's the exact same OPS Jeff Kent has. Uh, yes. in his in his career, Correct. and that's only uh, picking through Hel- Helton's road OPS and by the mm-hmm. way it's 38 points higher than Derek Jeter's uh, career OPS but uh, you
1: know yes that's who a cares? conversation for another day <laughs> also like i don't know i don't think this should move the needle on the hall of fame d- discourse but i do appreciate a guy that spent his entire career with one team
0: yeah yeah it is like, especially I don't like, a guy who like
1: especially especially the rockies
0: yeah like you would have you would have understood if he left the rockies
1: yes um no i mean like i don't you know i don't think that should impact a guy's hall of fame candidacy because people have various reasons for leaving they get traded they get more money you know there there no one should ever be punished or uplifted for that but i you gotta appreciate something like that
0: yeah It like you 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 know for sure what hat is gonna wear yeah Um, so uh yeah um also
1: like rocky's fans got to enjoy him for you know their entire lives yeah, like they never had to watch him play in another uniform. They never had to be like, you know, we got this guy from another team and he became good. like he was their guy,
0: yeah, absolutely. um, my number two is Andrew Jones. um Andrew Jones is uh he's definitely one of my favorite guys on the ballot, underrated King as we uh like to mention. um but Andrew Jones, when you're talking about Andrew Jones, if uh I've been swapping uh baseball reference pages so i got to go back (laughs) to his yeah um but when you're talking about andrew jones you're talking about just an amazing crazy good player uh he was able to get six wins above replacement uh or six and a half wins above replacement five different seasons um and from 98 from 1998 to 2006 he averaged over six wins above replacement that's nine years where he's like averaging being in the MVP conversation. Uh, that's just pure greatness. You know, six point one wins above replacement is gonna get you in the MVP conversation, at least these days when we're paying attention to that. Um, Andrew Jones was consistently like that for nine seasons. And in that stretch, he was only behind a uh, common theme here. He was only behind Barry Bonds <laughs> and Alex Rodriguez in wins above replacement. Um you know, his defense, he, I think he has the highest defensive wins above replacement among any outfielder. Think about all the great defensive outfielders. Andrew Jones was the best out of that. And along with that, by the way, 11% above average at the plate, um, with a 111 career OPS plus. Um, and, uh, for some of those years, he was a very effective base runner. He was able to Get twenty or more stolen bases four different times, so it wasn't even like he was bad on the bases. Um, he was he was a great athlete, um, um, one of the best defenders of all time, along with being uh, a very effective bat for a while. So, um, yeah, Andrew Jones, he's my he's my number two on this uh on this ballot. Mm-hmm.
1: My number two is Scott Rowland, the guy who, out of the returning candidates had the highest percentage of votes last year uh this man was another underrated king as they say he had around the same wins above replacements uh as carlos beltran and he played for 17 seasons uh to the tune of an 855 ops literally todd Helton's uh road ops and a 122 ops plus he was a rookie of the year he was fourth in the mvp voting in 2004 uh I also have some special spat on his 2004 season that I'm not finding on Twitter right now. So I'll just, I'll just read the ones I have currently. Uh, There are five players in MLB history to produce at least six seasons with 125 OPS plus one plus D war and 50 plus walks. Those players are Willie Mays, Mike Schmidt, Hannes Wagner, Wade Boggs, and Scott Rowland. Those are all, those are four, no doubt slam dunk hall of famers and Scott Rowland. Uh, additionally, there are five players in baseball history with a 120 OPS plus and 20 plus D war four hall of famers and Scott Rowland. Um, so there is no denying that he's in very good company and in various, uh, various different places from 1997 to 2006. He had the fourth highest uh, wins fan graphs, wins above replacement in baseball, only trailing Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez and Chris Andrew Jones. Uh he is a slam dunk in every which way you think about it. He was fantastic at defense. He was a very good hitter. He ran the base as well. Uh, and I would love to see him inducted this year. He's going to get in period because he's in, I believe his sixth year on the ballot. Yeah. Um, he's going to get in. I would like to see it be this year.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't want it to just be McGriff on that stage. Uh, this upcoming year would be nice. Um, um so all right so now on to our number ones if you've been paying close attention you're probably thinking wow he's gonna have alex alex rodriguez is is that far ahead it's oh it's not it's not like bottom of the bottom of the barrel there (laughs) same Um,
1: same goes with my number one
0: um oh yeah i just realized who your number one is Yeah. yeah um but uh, but yeah, I have Alex Rodriguez as my number one, but it's a un- unique situation because like I can't even get mad at writers for not putting him in, even though he's my number one. It's just my dumb rule makes him my number <laughs> one, because I consider your career before 2005 and his career before 2005, like the entirety of his career, even, you know, with the steroids. But his career while steroids were not punishable was still absolutely phenomenal. Um. It was uh from 1996 to 2004, uh he averaged eight wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. So that's like winning the MVP on average, like your your average MVP season is like seven or eight wins above replacement. That's what Alex Rodriguez was averaging for nine seasons while steroids were not punishable. So even if he was doing steroids, they weren't punishable. So thereby he was doing legal activity. Um, So that's why, you know, when he was able to get, you know, 70 wins of a replacement in a nine season span, um, well, steroids were not punishable. um, You know, that's why I consider him my number one guy on the ballot. However, you know, my rules are different than a lot of others. And especially considering he did get suspended for steroids, I can't even get mad at people for not putting him, putting him on the ballot necessarily because, you know, he did actually break the rules as opposed to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Sammy Sosa, who never broke the rules, uh, and Mark McGuire, who also never broke the rules. Um, but uh, yeah, Rodriguez is my uh, is my number one uh, because of, because of my rule.
1: My number one. Is Billy Wagner yeah. the second greatest reliever of all time? I know that sounds a little weird because uh, Billy Wagner is a reliever. Why is he my number one Hall of Famer? Well, because this is all about biases, right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're going on on our power rankings of not how how good they are as players, but you know how how well we see their Hall of Fame cases. And I see, I've been seeing Billy Wagner's Hall of Fame case for a while now. It's something that I care deeply about, um, and it's something that I need to see come to fruition as the same way that I need oxygen to breathe. Billy Wagner, in 903 career innings pitched, put up 11.9 strikeouts per nine. He put up a 3.99 strikeout to walk ratio, and he struck out. 33.2% of the batters he faced, and I'm not even looking at his baseball reference page right now. Mariano Rivera himself, the undisputed greatest reliever of all time, could come out of retirement today, face 782 batters, and strike out every single one of them, but he still wouldn't have the strikeout percentage that Billy Wagner had. Billy Wagner would still rank above him after 782 batters in a row struck out. He is the all-time leader in strikeouts per nine, minimum minimum seven hundred innings pitched. He is also the leader in strikeout percentage overall, uh, minimum seven hundred or sorry eight hundred innings pitched because Kenley Jansen has since uh, surpassed that. But either way, among 1,573 pitchers in baseball history to throw at least 800 innings pitched, no one struck out a higher rate of batters than Billy Wagner. Right behind him on the list are Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, Max Sergio, Yu Darvish, Blake Snell, Garrett Cole, Robbie Ray, Steven Strasburg, uh, rounding out the top nine, all of which, of course, are modern pitchers that played in the era in which strikeouts were at their highest. Billy Wagner did not play in that era but you know what he struck out just as many guys in fact he struck out a higher rate of guys he I can't I can't like begin to explain to you how much you need to understand Billy Wagner's uh, Hall of Fame candidacy his strikeout percent plus is second on that list of 1573 minus behind only Dazzy Vance. He struck out his strikeout rate was 90% above the average for that time. That's higher than Nolan Ryan, higher than Randy Johnson, Sandy Koufax, Lefty Grove, Pedro Martinez, Walter Johnson, Francisco Rodriguez, who's also on this ballot as a reliever, who I think could have a hall of fame case one day. Uh Billy Wagner is a Hall of Famer. He is the second best reliever of all time. His 231 ERA, 273 FIP, 187 ERA plus over 16 years, speak for themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's um retweet for uh my uh for those stats. I will I'll retweet those stats. Um yeah, I think I think where we have the difference of why he's seven for me and why he's one for you is I think I i'm looking more at the um at run prevention uh whereas you look at the strikeouts and the strikeouts are like yeah they're pretty I mean, the undeniable. Run prevention
1: was kind of there you know, oh of course the run the run prevention yeah, was ERA. there
0: no the run prevention was there of course but i think the strikeouts were more like yeah what made him amazing than the mm-hmm. run prevention like his like he's he really stood out with the strikeouts by the way um to add to your point um, in 1998, Billy Wagner had 14.6
1: six strikeouts, strikeouts per nine. Per nine. And actually, in the, in the, next year, the next year, he had 14.9 strikeouts per nine in 74 and two thirds innings. Yeah. And, in 19, two, and he also had a 157 ERA plus. Or sorry, 157 ERA, 287 ERA plus.
0: So in 1999, he had 14.9 strikeouts per nine. The league average was 6.5. <laughs> so like. Yeah, people are doing that now, but the league average is like nine strikeouts per nine right now, or eight point <laughs> 8. eight or whatever. Like back then, twenty, almost twenty five years ago now. What
1: was his dude? What was his like? Uh, was like six percent. and a half strikeouts per nine. I need to see. Average. I need to see what his like strikeout per nine plus was. Uh, it was probably over two hundred. Oh, yeah. wait, it was. Oh, I'm thinking three hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what like, it? okay, minimum seventy five innings pitched.
0: So yeah, that's, that stands out way more than like, you know, his years were, yeah, maybe he had like, uh, his K per nine me. was
1: 223. His K percent plus was 255.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he also had years where, um, he also had years where he had a 287 ERA plus 247 ERA plus, um, in full years, by the way, um, mm-hmm. 293 ERA plus, in 2005 when uh when he threw 77 and in two-thirds innings pitch like he just had some phenomenal seasons um it just you know he wasn't always on a world series winner um so he didn't get that spotlight um
1: correct he also but, was not very good in the playoffs
0: yeah he wasn't very good in the not. playoffs but um i think my <laughs> thing with playoffs is uh i think with i think he can it can only
1: uplift you not 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 uh heard you,
0: that's exactly what I was gonna say yeah. also those were those were fifty nine batters he faced in the playoffs. He faced thirty six hundred in the in the regular season. so like, I can't completely discount a guy because of about one and a half percent of the plate appearances or the batter one one point five percent of the batters faced uh he mm. faced even if it meant a little more um all right well, yeah, that's those are our ballots, so. To go with, um to break it down for my power rankings, number nine, yeah. Gary Sheffield, um, number eight, uh Manny Ramirez, number seven, Billy Wagner, number six, Bobby Bray, number five, Todd Helton, number four, Carlos Beltran, number three, Scott Rowland, number two, Andrew Jones, and number one, Alex Rodriguez.
1: For mine, I went number 10, Jeff Kent, number nine, Manny Ramirez, number eight, Alex Rodriguez, number seven, Gary Sheffield, number six, Bobby Abreu, number five, Andrew Jones, number four, Carlos Beltran, number three, Todd Helton, number two, Scott Rowland, and number one, Billy Wagner. Um, One thing that I did want to note, um, for my 10th vote, I was very close to going with Mark Burley. Uh, the reason I didn't was because, you know, I've wanted to vote for Mark Burley for a while. I think he's very underrated and possibly a Hall of Famer. Um, The only thing is that Mark Burley and Andy Pettit were virtually the same pitcher. <laughs> they, they were, they, they're twins. Yeah. Uh, they did. They, they have very similar stats in a lot of various waves, except for probably fifth. That's really the only one where Pettit has the edge there. Yeah. Um, And I just, I just don't, I cannot in good faith vote for one, but not the other.
0: Right. And I know that yeah. might
1: be a stupid reasoning, but it's my reasoning. I also was very close to going with Francisco Rodriguez. I think there can be a case to be made there ended up going with Jeff Kent instead because I can vote for K-Rod in another year if I'm really feeling it, but I can't do so for Jeff Kent.
0: Very true. Very true. Um, any, uh, anything else before we wrap this thing up?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I think that's it. I'm, I'm excited for, I really want to see Billy Wagner get to 60 this year because he'll have two more ballots after this. And I think he's in a good enough spot to get to 75 eventually if he gets to 60 this year.
0: Um, Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, so that will wrap it up for this edition of Above Replacement Radio. You know, sometimes in the off-season, we have less episodes, but we make sure to pack in a lot for for each one. So, you know, very happy to talk Hall of Fame, especially with, I'd say... I don't care
1: how much people hate the Hall of Fame discourse. I love it. I love it so much. It's maybe, maybe it's just a fun thing for two months out of the year yeah um but i don't know i just i live for this man even yeah, even yeah like you know like don't get me wrong you know i think a lot of the hall of fame discourse and a lot of people's opinions are flawed uh and i think that there's some sort of corruption within the voting system but i love it man i live for this
0: yeah like um i think i think with us we were very similar uh we have very similar levels of knowledge in a lot of like baseball topics but in terms of um in terms of uh of uh hall of fame stuff i i like to imagine i'm like some lions quarterback in the 90s and you're barry sanders i just like i just want to hand it off to you exactly Uh, because you you definitely um you know a lot more and you also care a lot more which i think adds to why um why you know a
1: lot more it could have something to do with the fact that the hall of fame is an hour from me and like, yeah, you know, no I can doubt. very easily go when I want to and see everything. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just like when people get recognized when they deserve it, and I also don't like when people get recognized when they don't deserve it.
0: Right. Yeah, it does suck. It does suck. Um. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's what we got with Hall of Fame. Um, always want to dive into it. Dive into it at least once once a year and uh this was this was that time especially like you know outside of the devers thing it's been kind of dull the past couple weeks so um now is a good time to to talk about these things um if you um were listening on apple Podcasts or spotify and wanted to see the conversation as it happens uh because we are this is a video episode we do have the cameras on um go check out the YouTube channel, um, it is called Above Replacement Radio. There's also going to be some shorts um, talking about the Hall of Fame cases of some of these uh, players we just discussed, um, where we might go into a little, a little more detail than we are already just did. Um, so go and subscribe to Above Replacement Radio, and uh, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, go subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify um, feeds. That is Above Replacement Radio as well. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and Instagram at Chris at Chris follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show on Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking all the happenings in major league baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over is over.